The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome to the Full Court Press. I'm Ajay Salveson, 401, your kickoff time here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Oh, you're for streaming on 1069 The Fan. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you're doing so from. Hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday on September 29th, two days away until we hit the month of October, 10 months into the year, a year that we would all love to forget, right? Uh, 2020 could not leave soon enough. A lot of good stuff to get to today. We got some MLB playoff baseball going on. Some of just uh, actually, in fact, first game is just concluded, as you already heard. Uh, Twins fall to the Astros 4-1, so Twins have a 1-0 lead going into this best-of-three series. Uh, White Sox cleaning out the athletics. This is really disappointing for Oakland to be getting beat like this by the White Sox, but the White Sox right now lead up 4-1 over the Oakland A's. And, of course, tonight's capper, Yankees and Indians. That'll be at 5 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, so, as of right now, not a lot of close ball games, at, at least and uh, at least into this early portion of the MLB playoff schedule. In fact, it has just concluded. It's just been final. The Chicago White Sox do defeat the Athletics in Game 1 of their AL series. Uh, they defeat them by a score of 4-1 to one and lead this series. Now, one game to nil in a best of three. Again, it's just a best of three, so it's shortened by a lot. Uh, I believe it's usually a best of five, and so now it's just one win away uh, for White Sox to the Astros to move on. One loss away to send the Athletics or the... Uh, uh, Minnesota Twins home. I, I feel like the Minnesota Twins is a bigger up, well, a bigger disappointment than the A's is, based on you know we we talked about it yesterday. Eric and I did balanced baseball. That is what the Twins are more so than the Athletics, and and they do rely. I wouldn't say rely on the long ball a lot, but they uh, it's been really the the vocal of their offense, and to not have I mean again four ones your final today. Uh, this game actually, Twins were up, uh, one nothing, and then uh, in the top of the ninth, the Houston Astros they scored, uh, they scored three in the ninth on a Altuve walk. Uh, then Gurriel scored, Springer went to second, Correa to third, and then Brantley singled the center, and that scored both Correa and Springer. And Altuve went to third, but that was your final four one. Uh, Astros uh, get the win, as does Valdez. Uh, Romo takes the loss for the Twins. Game two is tomorrow, and that'll be on ESPN2. Uh, unsure of when game three will be. I believe it's the day after. No, excuse me, two days after tomorrow is when you'll see game three. So uh, not a good way to start. Hey, if you want to be a part of the show, you know the drill. 435-339-0321 to text in. Or 435 sorry, 435-752-1069 to call in. Uh, love to hear your voice. Love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Uh, Annie Agar, uh, the she's the sideline reporter for the Grand Rapids uh, or Grand City Rapids Drive uh, for the NBA G League, and she's also a sports reporter for WOOD TV Channel Eight in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she's also a social media self video creator, and she's really good at it. Uh, she created the Big Ten video 
Um, if you haven't seen that and you have Google or whatever, I mean, honestly, just Google Annie Agar and you'll find her everywhere. She's training nationwide. Uh, she created a Big Ten video and then now has been doing NFL videos since and she's really, really good. Anyway, sorry, uh, more or less, she's going to be on our show today. Uh, we just uh, finished up an interview and uh, she had other stuff she had to get to tonight. Of course, she's been very, very busy. So we uh, finished a pre-recorded interview and you're going to hear that uh, 4.30, give or take. You'll hear that interview uh, with Annie Agar and then John Russell. Former Full Court Press alum is going to join me here in studio today. Uh, lucky to have John. I, I called him up today and said, dude, I, I did a show solo. And he goes, yeah, I know. I heard you. <laughs> Not like, hey, you did great. It was, yeah, I know. <laughs> so John Russell is going to join me at the 5 o'clock hour. I love John, too. Can't wait to have him in here and uh, catch up with him. He's he's uh, he's pretty good at uh, what he does. He also does the post game. For Utah State men's basketball on our sister station, 610 AM KVNU. All right, again, let's get to some more baseball talk. Uh, the Astros, as we already mentioned, beat the Twins 4-1. to Now they lead that series 1-0. White Sox have officially uh, won game one of their series versus the Oakland Athletics. Uh, they are uh, they win that game 4-1 to as well. So multiple scores, same side. Uh, Chicago had a 1-0 lead in the second. Um, Oakland... Uh, and then, uh, let's see here, had a 2-1 lead going into the, am I saying this right? Oh, sorry, had a 3-0 lead going into the 8th, and then score an extra run, an insurance run in the top of the 8th. Oakland only got one in the bottom of the 8th, and 4-1 to is your final score. Uh, Luzardo gets the loss. Giolo Tio, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. For the White Sox, he gets the win in 7 innings, 1 earn, 8 Ks, 1 walk. Uh, Luzardo had a 3 and. Yeah, he pitched, honestly, three innings, three earned runs, five Ks, no walks, and the save goes to uh, Cologne, who had one inning pitch. No earned runs, one walk, and, or excuse me, one K and no walks. So, uh, again, White Sox on top, four to one, and uh, win this game one, and now have a 1 0 series lead. Uh, Utah State had practice for football yesterday. As they get ready for their season to start on October 24th, still no official word on the schedule. Still waiting to hear. Uh, but, sorry, I'm doing like two things at once. There we go. Uh, still no word on the f- official football schedule for the Mountain West Conference. Still waiting to hear from them. I'm not sure what's taken so long uh, or how close they were to having that schedule done. Uh, Mr. or excuse me, uh, Commissioner Thompson has said the Mountain West Conference called it. They were very soon going to release that schedule. Mr. Hartwell on a uh, radio station in Salt Lake City also said that that schedule is close to being uh, completed. But, uh, again, their practices already have begun. They're in a five-day acclimatization period. They held a two-hour practice on Monday. This will all culminate in a final scrimmage on Friday night, which, as Coach Anderson had said in a press conference that'd be about 100 plus plays. Uh, among the group of these players are 12 returning starters, seven on offense, five defense, and 41 returning lettermen, which would be 18 on offense, 21 defense, two specialists, and 25 seniors total. Uh, these fall practices are closed. The fans, by the way, just so in case you're wondering, uh, so you will not be able to attend them. But uh, Coach Anderson did have some uh, words about how football went and. Uh, Kind of some of the things he's got out of it so far. Uh, I'm going to find the video. 
Here, there it is. Uh, it's here from Coach Anderson. This is courtesy of the Utah State football uh, marketing team and uh, grateful for what they, uh, all the great work they do. So let's hear from Coach. Yeah, I felt like it's uh, urgency is there. Uh, we all understand that uh, we're up against it. The battle will get better every single day. It was nice to have them out here and you know, half pads today to bang around a little bit, and we'll continue to do that again tomorrow. We'll get in full, uh, full pads, excuse me, tomorrow. Lose track of days already, and we'll cut them back for a couple of days and have a nice big scrimmage on Friday. But I think the sense of urgency is there. Uh, these kids are putting in the time. Um, they seem to be you know, very uh, excited about this opportunity that's in front of them. Now it's all brand new. So consistency and keeping with that and studying film and eating the right way and getting in the training room and staying in the weight room and being prepared for practice and taking care of your academics. There's a lot of these, lot that these kids are juggling, but that's uh, that's what they do. That's, and they should be prepared for that opportunity. They're excited. Um, and uh, we're going to take advantage of every day and uh, fight like crazy. Yeah, we're pretty close to where we'd normally be at this point. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, we'll scrimmage at the end of this week, and that usually takes place around practice seven or eight, typically, uh, in a normal year. But we did have those two weeks that we got a little bit of, uh, you know, just helmet work, but I thought we got a lot of the X's and O part of things taken care of there, which was awesome for us. So there was some uh, good work. I think we're on schedule, obviously, but uh, still making up for a lot of lost time. And then, of course, uh, I got to hear from Devin Tompkins. Maybe. Now, this first week's been really exciting, you know, uh, especially today, you know, getting that pads on and aggie gear and stuff. You know, everybody's been flying around, you know, it's been more physical. But um, I believe that, you know, we're building great chemistry inside the locker room and then bringing that into the field. And I think that, you know, we'll have a really great season this year with that. If you want ticket information, you go to utahstateaggies.com. Just a reminder that they're going to allow just a limited number of fans uh, inside Maverick Stadium for game days, and it will be based on safety guidelines set by the local and state health officials in Utah State University. So, again, they've had their first practice, or at least, I don't know, first official practice, if you want to call it that. Uh, they've been already in work in, in a lot of things, and as your Coach Anderson say, they feel like that they're getting, you know, they're about to where they would be at this point, um, which is really impressive, really impressive considering all the limits that they've had put on them. Again, opening uh, day will be for on October 24th. The season will end December 19th. That will be a Saturday night. That's when the Mountain West Conference Championship game is. Uh, it's a eight-game season, so not a lot of room, uh, especially with eight games in eight weeks. There's not a lot of room for error. And with this COVID situation, the way that it is, uh, they're gonna have to be. It's, everyone's gonna have to be smart. But even when you're smart, you're still having issues, right? Even when you're when you're trying to follow the rules and do what you're supposed to do, it's COVID doesn't stay out of the way. Uh, in fact, in in, in saying that, um, there has been another postponement, as uh, Troy's had their game postponed, and so it it's just it's it's one after the next. Um, in fact, uh, Notre Dame Irish have also had issues. Uh, let's see here. Uh, according to sorry, according to Brett McMurphy and Heather Dinich, uh, they will resume team practices on Wednesday. They reported 18 positive Corona tests on Monday, uh, but the program has changed the way it will eat its pregame meals, and now will have a, a rapid antigen test available on the sideline uh, from just from the lessons they've learned from the outbreak. And now, of course. Uh, along with that, Buffalo University as well has uh, 
tested positive for the virus. A total of 19 football players, 25 athletes in total, have tested positive for corona. Um, they five members were uh, from the women's volleyball team, one from the soccer team, and of course, again, 19 from football. Uh, all three teams have been suspended through at least Monday. The spike in cases at Buffalo, it, it came after an athlete reported symptoms consistent with COVID-19 and at 10. So the school tested 322 players. Uh, previously, by the way, this is how big of a mess this is. Buffalo had only eight athletes test positive for more than 1,300 tests conducted from June to September. And now the suspension of football practice comes five days after Mid-American Conference agreed to play a six-game schedule, which would start on November 4th. It's not a great way to start, though. And, of course, as you've already heard, uh, Troy had their game canceled um, because, uh, or excuse me, not canceled but postponed because of a COVID outbreak. Uh, and then, a, what do you know? The Tennessee Titans have also had issues uh, in uh with the whole COVID situation, they had three players and five team personnel members test positive for the coronavirus. Um, the three players are starting to nose tackle Daquan Jones, long snapper Bo Brinkley, and practice squad tight end Tommy Hudson. They've all been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Now, no official decision has been yet made about their game on Sunday versus Pittsburgh in Nashville, but the NFL wants and intends to have that game played as scheduled. And that's according to Adam Scheffler. One of the contingency plans to allow for additional testing and contact tracing to occur would be to move the game to Monday night. Uh, the eight new positive tests for the Titans have been confirmed after additional testing, and those who tested positive have been asymptomatic as of Tuesday morning. Um, and it's something that, as uh, Roger Gordell, he, he wrote a letter to the chief executives and presidents for every team in the memo. ESPN was able to pick that up. And he said, quote, this is not unexpected. There will be players and staff who will test positive during the season. Uh, the Titans, you know, saying that with, you know, through an abundance of caution, uh, through a statement that they released, they halted in-person work on Tuesday. The Minnesota Vikings, who have played the Titans on this past Sunday, also closed their facility indefinitely through, uh, or excuse me, though the team has said that there were no positive tests through Tuesday morning. So here we go. We all knew it was coming, right? Like, we all knew that this virus is going to break out and, and, and people were going to get it or kids were going to get it. The question is, is what the response is to it and how do you handle it? We've already had, goodness, how many games have we had canceled now? Um, 24, 25, I think now. Through, just in, This is college football. There are 25 football games that have been canceled. By the way, the, the game that was canceled for this week was Troy at South Alabama. We've had at least one game canceled every single week so far this football season. One game every single week. Uh, how do you, how do you manage this? And the question is, is if it does, for example, and heaven forbid, if it did, if we're forward to get in your quarterback's room, right, and your quarterback had it, like how do you go on having a football game that week? It's it's pretty hard to train a kid or someone else, even if it's a receiver who used to play quarterback, to, to have him run the offense for a Division One football team. I honestly would absolutely say that. Uh, but at the same time, you got to be able to play these games at some point or else you just got to cancel the season. Now, as we heard Craig Thompson say, the commissioner from Mount West Conference in the press conference, that it would, uh, it would be hard to imagine every team playing all eight games through the season. He said, because of the history of what this COVID has done to the season thus far, 
in 2020 that he doesn't see every game every game being played for whatever reason or whoever it is. That's just that's something to uh, to keep an eye on. So again, uh, South Saturday's game versus South Alabama and Troy has been post postponed because of COVID, and then the Tennessee had eight members uh, on their team. Uh, three players and five personnel staff members who were uh, tested positive for coronavirus. I'd be su- I think in college it's easier to play a football game. Uh, I mean, for football, it's for NFL. Excuse me, it's it's different. I think it's a tougher deal. Uh, but you have the money to be able to get through it, and you have the roster because you have a practice squad roster, right? In college, man, I mean, we're talking about these young kids. I mean, I just I, I feel like there's a reason why they have to postpone every game and or at least all their COVID situational games, and then NFL is able to say, hey, you know, what? we can we can still get through this because we have you know a practice squad or we have the money or whatever the situation is. But yeah, this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be an interesting time here in the fall. And how many games is Utah State and the Mountain West Conference able to complete will be yet to be seen. Uh, really quickly, speaking of the Mount West Conference, on the hardwood side of things, on the basketball floor, a uh, couple announcement, actually, a couple announcements involving the Mount West Conference uh, are as follows: uh, Boise State will be in Orlando, Florida, as part of a tournament. I'm looking for it now. There it is. It is the Orlando Invitational, which is in November. It's on the 25th through the 27th, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's over Thanksgiving weekend. Am I crazy? Right. Thanksgiving weekend, 25th, 20th, yeah, should be over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, but the Orlando tournament, which will involve, let me make sure I have these teams right, uh, Gonzaga, Michigan State, Auburn, Xavier, St. Louis, Belmont, and Boise State. Uh, there is an eighth team that is to be determined. Matchups are to be determined as well. But what a get for Boise State. I know they've been part of this tournament the whole entire time, and it's it's already been a formality, but... To have the chance to be in the bubble and have the opportunity, hopefully for them, to play the likes of Gonzaga, Michigan State, Auburn, Xavier, uh, Belmont's been good, St. Louis has been in the tournament. This is a really good test for a team that many have considered that is one of, or if not the best non-Power 5 college basketball team in the country. Not in just the Mount West Conference, not on the West side, but in the entire country, Boise State is looked up to be one of those that excuse me that team uh, that's going to cause a lot of trouble in in against Power Five teams and even into the NCAA tournament if they can get there. Uh, Leon Rice has got a bunch of tricks in his bag with his squad, uh, and it, there is a bunch of transfers. Some um, say some of them are guards. I don't know if I say a lot of guards, but some of them are guards. There's only so many touches you can get. But again, the talent on this roster is on paper at least. It's the cream of the crop in the Mountain West Conference, even over San Diego State. Uh, speaking of which, Andy Katz, who uh, does great work for college basketball, uh, he released his mock, I don't know, yeah, I'll call it a mock 2021 bracket prediction. Only two teams from the Mountain West Conference make it. Boise State, excuse me, in fact, I'll even tell you this. Not only do two teams make it from the Mountain West Conference, one of them's a play-in team. And if I were to let tell you that the two teams are San Diego State and Boise State, you would say the playoff, or excuse me, that the play-in game team would be who? 
if you said San Diego State, you're right. Then, in fact, he hasn't matched up with Louisville in a 12-12 matchup. Winner would get a fifth-seeded game, which would be versus Indiana in San Jose. Boise State is a 10th seed. Think about that. That's how high they think these guys are. Boise State's a 10th seed, and their 7th seed matchup would be the North Carolina Tar Heels. They get the winner of Kansas and UC Irvine. Uh, meanwhile, San Diego State, if they were to beat Louisville, uh, they would get Arizona, who is, or excuse me, Indiana, who's that fifth seed, and then they get the winner of Arizona State and New Mexico State. The Boise State game would be in Wichita. Uh, Utah State is not on here. In fact, BYU is an 11th seed playing third, or excuse me, sixth seed Stanford. And the winner would get Michigan State or Hofstra. And I wouldn't call that a gimme for Michigan State because they know how to blow big first-round games. So, yeah, no Utah State on here. Uh, one seeds would be Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois, and Villanova. Two seeds would be Iowa, Virginia, uh, Kansas, and Wisconsin would be your ones and twos. Do you think Utah State's being overlooked? I mean, I get it. No Sam Merrill. But Marco Anthony, and I know the whole thing is, well, look, Marco Anthony didn't play. Like, he was on the roster, but he didn't play uh, on those national championship squad. doesn't matter. Right? If Tony Bennett sees something in a kid and he recruits him to Virginia, he's got to be a pretty dang good basketball player. Tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think we're going to be, like, that bad. Uh, and I don't know where Andy Katz has the Mount West Conference prediction. I don't know where they put him. I'll be interested to see when the vote comes out, uh, media vote and Mount West Conference vote comes out to see where they put Utah State men's basketball. Anything lower than the third, I'd be stunned. Nine three one five. Oh, okay, yeah. So we're going back to football here. Nine three one five. So does that mean that USU football could play a no con or non conference game? Uh da 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 da. I would say Utah State will not be playing a non-conference football game. No way. I think they play October 24th. There's eight weeks in that schedule. That finishes up on December 19th, or at least goes on to December 19th for the Mount West Conference Championship game. Uh, there is no room. There's no room at all to be able to play it. And then for Boise State, uh, that's an because they're talking about how Boise State could be playing... BYU, and I'm not sure how they were going to make this work. Sorry, I'm just I'm looking. BJ Reigns of the Idaho Press, we've had him on our show before. He he tweeted something out that how it would work for their uh, how it would work for their schedule. But if BYU, they have an opening date on November 27th. And again, I'm not sure how that opens up the schedule for Boise State because we don't know what the schedule looks like as of right now. Uh, but uh, I would be, I'd be very surprised if they were able to make a fit. But for some reason, the Mount West Conference, according to what John Hartwell, or excuse me, Mr. Hartwell, talked to uh, the Mount West Conference, and then he had this phone call with the Salt Lake City radio station. Uh, they talked about the that there is a very high possibility that BYU and Boise State will face each other. 
Um, and I think it would be a 7 o'clock game, if not an 8.30 game. That game would, and, and by the way, that game would be at Boise State. So not only would they get BYU, which is a pretty good G5 team right now, but then they get them on their home turf. That's, that's not a bad way to go out with that. Uh, but for the Aggies, I would say you have slim to none chances of having a, a non-conference game for football. And then on the basketball side, 9315 texted in and said, yes, they always overlook USU basketball lately. I mean, last year we were unanimous, if I'm not mistaken, and we did all right. We won the Mountain West Conference Tournament Championship. Uh, but I just I, I don't know about lately, but I would definitely say if they're ranked anything lower than third, I'm going to be surprised. Uh, I, I, I still think this Utah State basketball team is really good. They've still got some experience on there in, in Amish, Bean, Alfonso Anderson, Trevin Dorius, Brock Miller, um, Sean Barristow, who was a freshman last year and looked really good, is now coming back. Um, I know he injured himself in the championship game, but from what I've been told, he's, he's good to go. Uh, they got some young talent, Liam McChesney. They got these seven international kids. Uh, Raleigh Worcester is going to be really good. I expect a lot out of him. He, I honestly think... Raleigh Worcester, I mean Worcester, might have his minutes equal to, if not more than Brock Miller. That's that's not. I don't have any fact to that. That's not anything I've heard or anything. That's complete and pure speculation. But from what I've heard about the player that really Worcester Worcester is, you're going to be really excited about him, and he's going to see some heavy minutes. Uh, they they love this kid right now, and of course, like I said, you've got. Uh, uh, Marco Anthony, uh, who I would imagine would play the point, the transfer from Virginia. Big size, good athleticism, can shoot it well. Uh, I, I, I honestly strongly imagine him playing the point guard, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this team looks like. I'm excited to see what everyone thinks about him as a preseason prediction and what their schedule looks like as well. Speaking of schedules, you know, we talked about the football situation. Uh, basketball is just as intriguing because they will have a non-conference schedule. They'll have they have the three games in Orlando, which we don't know what those three games yet are. I've been told that they're also looking for a couple games more in Orlando. Look, they have all these tournaments coming to coming to the bubble in Orlando. You might as well pick up one or two more games in the bubble against good high major teams, whether they're P five or high G five teams. Pick those up as well. Play a couple more games while you're there. Right, you play your three. And then you play two more for kicks and giggles. That gives you five. Uh, and then if you can, and then it's an 18-game conference schedule, which you're saying will start in late December. So that gives you two games, and then you get hopefully BYU and St. Mary's at home, or you get BYU, and then you go to Weber State. I'd love to be. I in fact I would more imagine that they're going to do BYU and Utah State just because it's in-state. There's no traveling included on a plane. You can just take a bus and go there and, and play your game. Uh, but BYU coming to our house, even I, I would imagine, I hope to, I haven't heard any official word yet on what they'll do with fans with basketball season. Um, but I would imagine that they're... Uh, that they're going to have some kind of fans there, and it's going to be different. It won't be full house, which we want it to be, of course, especially when the Cougars come here. Uh, you know, two years ago, we went to the Marriott Center in front of a sold-out place. 
and you know got walloped there. Then we split, you know, in a neutral court. Went to Vivint Small Arena. I'd love to have an entire ten thousand five hundred Aggie Maniacs there, but it's I just don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, so in a place that can fill what again ten thousand five hundred, give or take. If you can get three to four thousand fans, and that might be asking too much. If you can get at least that much, that will really help. And then you go to Weber State and you play another rivalry. Um, I know that St. Mary's game would probably look really sexy on your schedule, obviously, but that's that's going to be asking a lot. It's going to be asking a lot. So uh, especially with the travel and the way things are going. So again, we don't have any announcement yet on the Mount West Conference football schedule. They've said very soon. I don't know what that means. And then I'm not sure when we hear officially about the basketball schedule. Uh, we haven't heard any word on that when they could be releasing it. So uh, could they have a full student section at ball games? 9315 Nine, asked. No. I would highly doubt it. Um, I think they'll separate the students as well. I'd love to see it. If that was the case, that would be phenomenal. But if you also have a full student section, like I just think there's gonna be too many students that show up. Uh, two one nine seven text in. Oh, Stephen Ashworth, right? I think Stephen is that his first name. Yeah, Stephen Ashworth is gonna be really, really good. Uh, I talked to an assistant coach about him. They are thrilled to death about this kid. Really excited about him. So, uh, yeah, Stephen Ashworth uh, will be. In fact, he's from Lone Peak. Uh, got a great touch on the shot. Um, is very he's he's athletic in getting to the rim. Uh, there's been a ton of compliments about this kid from who I've talked to. So good call two one nine seven about Stephen Ashworth. Yeah, that, that's a major one. Uh, let me ask you something here to our wonderful listeners. Since you're involved in the show, thanks to have you and great to have you here. Uh, if you want to text in four three five three three nine zero three two one, who are you more impressed with? And I ask this respectfully, and I'm not trying to create any divisive, you know, split between the the two at all in any way. But Namish Kedek comes onto the stage as a freshman and just takes over the show, and uh, is is a near guaranteed, excuse me, guaranteed NBA draft pick. Are you more impressed with what he's done in his two years, or the fact that Justin Bean? The kid that was not seeing any minutes, zero zilch minutes uh, during the Dury era and has now became a full-fledged, huge, important role on this Utah State basketball squad where he was starting last year. He was second in rebounding in the conference. Who are you more impressed with and what they've done so far in their career? Keta or Bean and why? Would love to hear your thoughts on that. And again, I'm not trying to create any sort of divide. Uh, two one nine seven. Justin Bean, that kid plays with heart. Absolutely. Uh, no one. I don't know if someone would be willing to go in and break his nose three times and keep coming back. I mean, the guy wore a mask and everyone like became this big fandom. His fandom took off in a heartbeat when Justin Bean, you know, stepped onto the court and he has been everything and more that this. Uh, the squad could hope for for Coach Smith and, and his staff. But, you know, it took some time. There was some work to be done. But when Justin Bean got going, boy, he has been absolutely phenomenal for the Aggies. Uh, I would definitely put Bean uh, as a – I could definitely see the reason for Bean. But, and also Keta, though, in two years, this kid's from Portugal, and now he's going to be an NBA draft pick. And you look at what he's done. You know, the records that he set as a freshman – 
not only at Utah State, but as a Mountain West Conference as well, as a freshman, is really impressive. And then come back in his sophomore year and still be productive as he was. I, I, I would think of that Wyoming Mountain West Conference tournament game. Um, and I honestly think without him, they probably lose. I think Justin Bean, or not Justin Bean, excuse me, Namish Keta in that second half was absolutely incredible in the second half of that uh, second round in the Mount West Conference Tournament versus Wyoming. He had that big block. In fact, he had back-to-back big blocks. Uh, he had the big dunk as well uh, late in the second half, I want to say. Uh, Keta's been great. He's been absolutely great. And uh, so there's definitely reasons for both sides. All right, with that question, again, if you want to text in 435-339-0321, would love to hear from you. Coming up next, you're going to hear our recorded interview, uh, myself with Annie Agnar. Um, you guys are going to love her. She is incredibly talented. Uh, you're going to hear about her up and coming and her, her rise to fame, uh, her passion for sports, where it came from, uh, her goals uh, as, you know, right now she works in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But where does she want to go? And being a Michigan gal, she's not a true Michigan gal, actually. And you'll you'll get what I mean here as you hear the interviews. The Full Court Press, coming up next, Annie Agnar. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. It's Tony Parks here. Uh, I was wondering, in your wonderful Coach Lou voice, talk to us about Notre Dame being in the ACC Conference. So I'll tell you something. There's something every one of us need to fight for, and that's independence. But you have to understand there's risk in everything. There's risk when I go down a slip and slide. There's risk when I try to trust a silent but deadly. But I still take those risks. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106. 6, 9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. The Full Court Press here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. And we are going to... Get right into it. This is our interview with Annie, and I call her Agnar. That's my bad. Sorry. I had, I, I tell you, I, I kept calling her Agnar, and then before our interview started, I was like, hey, how do you say her name? She's like, oh, it's Agar. And I'm like, oh, well, good thing I asked because I just butchered it. That's practicing for about a half hour. All right, so we're going to play half of her interview, and then we're going to have to take a break to get these breaks in, and then we'll go back and play her interview again. Uh, but again, this is Annie Agar, uh, one of my favorite video or I guess Twitter followers if you will um if you haven't followed her or if you haven't heard her videos this was her very first video it was of the Big Ten getting ready for you know just what to do with the football season listen to this and by the way she has like Michigan and and whoever um this is actually pretty good is everybody there? Can everybody hear me okay? Wait, Michigan is in charge of this? Um, didn't you guys have like two conference wins last year? We had six, okay? You know this. O-H! Ohio, we've been over this. You don't have to announce every time you're here. Oh, can y'all, can y'all hear me? I don't really know how to get this working. Yep, you just press the button. Northwestern, can, can you help please? No. Okay, well you know what? That's not helpful. Wait, are those glasses even real? Can you even read? Um, and the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten, and we pretty much produced Joe Burrows. Hello? Hello? Um, 
Hi, hi guys. Oh my gosh, no, get out. Get out, get out. Wait, who was that? <laughs> Again, one of the best. Here is our interview with Addie Agnar. If you have ever wondered what the Big Ten Zoom meeting went when deciding how and when to return to play football in the middle of a pandemic, or if you wanted to be a fly on the wall during the invitation only of the NFL QBs meeting after week one or week two, uh, there's only one person who was there for all of it. And how is because she created the whole damn thing herself, which is incredible. Uh, she's a sports reporter for Wood TV uh, and Channel 8 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, sideline reporter for the NBA G League Grand Rapids squad, and without question, the best self-video content creator in the biz. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege, pleasure, and honor to have on our show here on the Full Court Press, Annie Agar. Annie, my goodness, how in the world are you? Welcome. Oh, thank you. Wow, what an entrance. You I like that? It. I've been uh, practicing that like, uh, it's probably 18 times now. 17, we're in the mirror. <laughs> You nailed it. <laughs> uh, Annie, I, I know you've been asked this 100,000 times, but I'm going to make it 100,001. Uh, how did you come up with the idea to do your first video, if I'm not mistaken, was the, uh, the Big Ten video. Is that correct? That's correct, yep. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, this all kind of started back when, like you said, you know, the, the COVID was going on, coronavirus, and, and we kind of were all quarantined. And so being a sports reporter, you know, you, you didn't really have work. I mean, as a lot of people in the sports industry didn't have. And so my first instinct was to think about how football season would be impacted because, you know, that's something we completely look forward to in the off season. And then, you know, thinking about the Big Ten in particular, because I grew up in Big Ten territory, and that's um, primarily what we cover from at my station. So um, I thought about, you know, how they would kind of all be working together to get football season back up and running. And obviously the go-to for everybody during quarantine was Zoom calls because that's kind of all we had. You know, everybody, we were doing happy hours over Zoom calls and work meetings. And so I thought, you know, if the Big Ten had a meeting, it would be over Zoom. And then how funny would that meeting look because they all kind of hate each other, um, you know, with the rivalries <laughs> in conference, but they all want the same thing. So, um, so yeah, the idea was just kind of born that way and I just took off with it. Okay, so people make videos all the time. But my goodness, as of today, your video for that Big Ten has 22,000 views, just over that, over 4,500 retweets on Twitter. Uh, did you ever see it taken off the way it did? Not at all, no. You know, originally, when I, and I did it on TikTok, and I just had kind of, I was new to it, um, as a lot of people were this year, and uh, someone else had tweeted it out, and it started getting a lot of traction, and then I had shared it on my page, and it just took off. Um, you know, people like Rich Eisen were commenting on it and retweeting it, and Desmond Howard and Kirk Herb Street. Oh that's when gosh. I, 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 st I stepped back and I thought, holy cow, you know, this is absolutely just blown up. <laughs> I know this is an egocentric question to ask you, but who's the most famous person you've heard from since this, uh, you've been doing these videos? That's a great question. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's been, there's been so many cool people. Um, Pat Forty's been a really cool one that's reached out, and he continues to kind of. Um, show support and message me and um, and share my stuff. And so I think the the constant, you know, he's still behind every video that I've done. That really has been a big impact on me. And, you know, I look up to him in the sports industry and he's had only nice things to say. And so to see that has been incredible. And like I said, you know, Desmond Howard and Kirk Herbstreit, people I grew up watching on college game day, share my content um, has been incredible. I think the biggest one was, you know, ESPN put out the video and to see my name next to the ESPN logo was, you know, something I've dreamed of for years. So that was pretty neat. How long does it take you to make a video? Um, and that includes the, like creating the lines and everything. How long does it take you? Right. 
Right. So, um, well, the, the longest part kind of is putting out all the logos and cutting all those up for the shirts. <laughs> um, and then once that's done, you know, there's been a lot of times where I don't even have kind of a script written out. I, I know of the jokes I want to make, but my big thing is I, I change in between each character because I want it to be as if it's a Zoom call, right? And so I want them to play off each other. So I'll have, you know, Chicago, the Chicago Bears say something and then I'll have, you know, the Lions respond back because that would be the dynamic of their, you know, their division. So stuff like that. So a lot of the time it just is, you know, trial and error of how, how I want the video to flow. So it takes a good, you know, hour and a half, two hours to kind of finish the video. Favorite video so far you've made? Oh, gosh, you're coming at me with the big questions. <laughs> um, wow, I I did um, a quarterback call week one, and I think that was yes. my favorite so Was far. that the one where the Jay Cutler at the end? Yes, yep. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. That was a nice little twist at the end. I like that one. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, how many shirts of teams do you have in your closet? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably too many. Uh, jer- <laughs> no such I have thing. a lot of jerseys as well, but then the yeah, the ones I don't have, like I said, I you know I print off the logos, but then I'll save those shirts for you know if I need to use them later. So there's quite a few of them currently. <laughs> okay, so I'm a jersey collector as well. Uh, jersey you're most proud of to have? Oh, I have a Clay Matthews Packers jersey, and I loved Clay. And I and my mom got it for me for Christmas one year. Complete surprise, and I will cherish that thing till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> Where does your sports fandom come from? Talk to me about. I mean, oh, it's Michigan, so it's diehards, rabid sports fans everywhere. Uh, whether you're a Wolverine or a Spartan or whatever it is, where did yours come from? And and uh, when did it really take off for you in your sports career? Yeah. So. Um, people, you don't know, ask me that a lot. Being working in the sports industry, obviously, you have to have some sort of background and, and want to get into this um, this industry. And that started for me. My dad actually played four years um, in the minors for the Tigers, um, so he went through you know the farm system and everything. And he taught us really early that you know sports is this great thing. And we used to sit around the dinner table. We talk about you know what NFL games were going to happen that week, and that was just how I grew up. So. Um, at a very young age, I knew I wanted to get into sports broadcasting and, you know, be that connecting factor between the athlete and the fan. And I love that. And that, you know, sports reporters were that person for me. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, the sports fandom comes from. And then just being in Michigan, I mean, you're, I mean, everywhere you look, there's Michigan, Michigan State fan. It's, you know, we don't take it lightly in the Midwest, especially for football. So <laughs> it just kept, you know, being amplified. And then I actually, um, I myself an Ohio State fan, so not, not a lot of friends where I live. But um, but that's added to it because I'm so sorry. I got to interrupt you. I apologize. <laughs> How in the world does that happen? That you're in Michigan and you're a diehard Ohio State. Oh yeah, that, it's a fun story. It's a fun story. So um, I have an older brother who's a big Michigan State fan. Uh, my grandpa went there. My dad went there. And so I, I you know, I love I love Sparty. But um, growing up, he was you know he wanted me to be a Michigan State fan so badly and. We obviously grew up not liking U of M, not being a fan of U of M. So um, I, I, when I played basketball in high school or, I guess, middle school, I loved Evan Turner, who played basketball for Ohio State. And he had a shot against Michigan, obviously, in the Big Ten tournament, and that just sealed the deal. And I thought, I can really annoy Michigan fans if I'm an Ohio State fan. <laughs> and then conveniently around that same time, um, I was in high school and I was, you know, wanted to talk sports with guys and I realized really quickly that if you want to know your stuff and you, you know, you want them to take you seriously, it's a lot more fun to be on the opposing side and then you really have to argue your point. So 
being an Ohio State fan in Michigan was so much fun. And I just, I took it and I ran with it because, you know, you had to prove yourself. And every, I mean, Michigan and Michigan State fans would be, would make it their point to prove you wrong. So it, I think it really helped on that front, you know, really making sure I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted you there. I just, that blew my mind though, because I lived in Ohio for two years and I know how rabid that fan base is. And uh, yeah, oh, for sure. it's amazing. <laughs> uh, no, not all this. <laughs> what is it like, and I ask this with, with incredible respect for what you do, but in this industry, it's hard to get into for you and I, but as a woman, and there's so many great women in the sports industry who do an incredible job. For you, what was the journey like, and what were the lessons you learned? That's a great question. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I got into it as a female, I never went into it thinking, well, I, you know, I want, I know I'm going to be treated differently. I, you know, I want special treatment because I'm a female. I just went into it thinking if I get a job in sports, I'm going to get the job because I work the hardest, not because, you know, I'm a female or because or maybe if I didn't get a job, I wouldn't say, well, it's because I'm a female. I just I have to work harder. And so that's, you know, kind of the mentality I, I like to take in this industry. But um, I've, I've been blessed to not have any of those obstacles really, um, other than, you know, the small ones. And with these videos, you know, there's some comments that you kind of look at and you think, oh, geez, like, would a guy get that in, in sports? But at the end of the day, that's just, you're going to get that in any industry. It's going to be, you know, people saying you can't do it or, you know, people questioning things. So, um, the, you know, the best thing to do is just, just work as hard as you can and be proud of what you've produced. And so, um, that's kind of the, the way that I look at things. And like I said, I, yeah, I've just, I've, I've loved this industry. It's just so, it's so fun. And every day I get to go, you know, even if it's the smallest sport or, you know, it's, it's a high school football game, it's still the most fun thing that's happened in my day. And, and you can't complain when that's your job. I know I've been asked this a ton of times, and I'm sure you have as well. What is your dream goal job at the end? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, that is the hundred dollar question, um, million dollar question maybe, but you know, obviously everybody's goal in, in sports is ESPN or, you know, NFL network. And, um, I'd love to have a show. I'd love to, you know, be at that top level. And, and I always say at the end of the day, like I said, you know, that connection between the fan and the athlete is my favorite thing. So if I can get to the highest level and, and impact as many people as possible with that connection, meaning, you know, I can, I can bring some laughter to, to a fan that, watch NFL Network or ESPN, then I just, that, that would be the ultimate goal for me. Who's your, uh, I don't know how to ask this, uh, if there's a silent reporter, an analyst that you listen to or look up to the most, who would that be? Mm, probably, um, as of lately, it's been Maria Taylor. I just think, I love how yeah. she, when she talks with you know, guys like Stephen A and, and super dominant personalities, she walks into that room and asserts herself and lets them know she has an opinion too. <laughs> And but does it in kind of a funny, you know, classy way. And so um, that's kind of, I look up to her because I want to have that same kind of personality, I guess, on air. Annie Agar here joining us here on the Full Court Press. Annie, give me your thoughts on this Big Ten season, what it's going to look like. Obviously, you got uh, three top ten teams, or at least uh, two of them contending for a national championship, most likely in Ohio State and in Wisconsin. Uh, where does Michigan fit? Where does Michigan State fit? What do you see here? Yeah, I think this will be a really interesting year, and that's why we wanted this season so badly because there's so many question marks surrounding the Big Ten. I mean, from you know, not so much with Ohio State, obviously, and they're they're clearly the front runner to win. Um, to win, and that's not biased. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, when it comes to Michigan State, I mean, Mel Tucker is going to run a completely different offense. I know State fans are super excited to see you know how that plays out, and 
with Michigan, I mean, so many, uh, so many things are on the line for Harbaugh with this, with this season and this year and, um, and how he does there. And then you've got, you know, team, like you said, Wisconsin is obviously going to have a great season, but then you have teams like Indiana that might, you know, show us a little bit more than they have in the past in Minnesota with PJ Slack. And so I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of storylines that could play out in, in a lot of, and the, the main one is just what's going to happen. You know, there's question marks where we're worried about the, the health of, of everybody and the players with COVID and everything. But at the end of the day, there's just, yeah, so many ups and downs that are going to happen this season and, and the schedule will be, it'll be really interesting. Based on the unique year that this is with the pandemic and the football seasons being suspended for an amount of time, should the football playoff be expanded uh, to allow more teams in or do you like it at four for this year? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I um, I think I like it the way that it is. And that being, you know, with everybody said with the Pac-12, you know, they're not playing and everything, and that's going to affect the, the playoff, and it's not going to meet as much. But, I mean, not to be mean, but even if the Pac-12 got in, look at the, you know, historically they haven't even gotten to the playoff nine times out of ten. So it's not going to be that much different. So um, I would be good with them expanding it back out, you know. But at the end of the day, I think this year already has kind of an asterisk by it. So let's just get it done, you know, have – a good season um, where we can, you know, hopefully come to a good conclusion about who won it and who took home the title and then kind of move forward from there. So I think, I think the way it is right now is, you know, it's pretty, it's as good as it's going to get, I think. As a Big Ten fan, what's the least conference you like? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think it's the SEC and, and just because there's kind of an unspoken rivalry there, you know, we have the players that you know, the tough, grinded out kind of guys, the, the big D-line, O-line guys that just, you know, we run it up the gut. And then there's SEC with the, um, you know, the more, you know, artistic players. They're, you know, the, the, the speed and the talent. And so I think there's always been that kind of, oh, okay, you, you guys focus on that. We're going to focus on this type of rivalry. So I would, I would have to say probably that conference. We're going to have to cut it there. If you want to listen to the rest of the interview, it's on 1069thefan.com. And then you can just go to our podcast section. You can hear the rest of it with Annie Agar. Great, uh, big thanks to her. She's wonderful, and she's so classy and humble, and she is trending nationwide for a good reason. She does great work. All right, we're going to take a break, and then it's, I think it's going to run into Dan Patrick, so this might be it for us. So we'll get you ready for Hour 2 with John Russell, former full-quarter press alum, will join me here on the show.